Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and this will be the last episode before a winner is crowned NBA Finals champion of 2021, Nick. Can you imagine what that feels like to be an NBA champion? Could you imagine what it feels like to freaking be in the NBA? That's so cool. That's such a cool thing. Uh, yeah, it's... um. Honestly, last game was the best game of the series. I know we're going to dive into it, but I don't think anybody expected a Suns-Bucks final, first of all, and I don't think anybody expected it to be this close at this point, given the way the Suns jumped out to that 2-0 lead. So I'm very excited for tonight's game. I'm going to go to a bar, drink with my friends, and watch it and truly enjoy it. And I will say this, you know, you gain respect for players when they show up in crunch time. And as someone who really didn't care for Giannis before this, I, didn't, I wasn't a Giannis hater. I just wasn't a, you know, Giannis blower, as some people are. So now tonight, can I say that? Now tonight so. in this game, uh, I, I have gained a lot of respect for Giannis, especially after last game. And I, although was originally rooting for the Suns, would be happy if the Bucks won. I wouldn't necessarily be happy I, I think I'd be a lot less upset because the Bucks have elevated their play every single time that they have met adversity and Giannis was the best player on the team in in all of the first three series the Heat the Nets and the Hawks but he has elevated his play in these finals I mean there are moments where the announcers will say Giannis looks gassed. You know, he put up those 40 points in the back-to-back games early on. He keeps on. having to pee in the first quarter. In the he first keeps having to, having to tinkle in the middle of the game. But it, it's funny because whenever the announcers mention Giannis's fatigue, he'll come back with some amazing pass for a wide-open three-pointer or, or he'll have an absurd block. And we'll talk about the Drew Holiday to Giannis alley-oop to end game five. But, but I mean, maybe that fatigue has made him a more selfless player and a better passer to not put the team on his back, to not huck up shots when he doesn't need to. I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, he is not only playing at such an efficient level, but he's scoring less and they're winning more. I know it's a small sample size, but this finals, that last game was because Giannis gave up the ball. Well, yeah, I, I think that his decision-making is just on a level that I don't think we've seen him play at. I, I mean, I don't think he's ever been to that level. This is a two-time MVP we're talking about, right? This is one of the best players in the league, but obviously he has some flaws in his game. Not the best three-point shooter in the world. Not free the throw. best <laughs> mid-range. Not a great free-throw shooter. However, everything else, when it comes to scoring in the paint, he's elite. When it comes to defense, he's elite. And now all of a sudden, he can pass a little bit. He's finding wide open guys. It makes this Bucks team extremely dangerous. So we, we've been kind of dancing around it, but let's get into it. The Bucks are up three to two. They are on the verge of winning the NBA Finals if they're able to get a win at home tonight. Game five was a nail biter, nail biter, and nail biter, uh, nail biter, and. Uh, First off, what a performance by Drew Holiday in Game 5. We were all wondering, when will Drew Holiday show up? On Holiday! Great Green Day jam. And uh, he was he was unbelievable, Nick. Defense was was 
smothering. He had two strips of Devin Booker. One was the game-ending play. Um, another was earlier on in the game where he just picked his pocket. And then offensively, every time Holiday Holiday went up with it, it went in. Three-pointer, bang. To the rim, bucket. Mid-range, it was all there for him. If he's playing like that and Giannis is doing his thing and Middleton's doing his thing. And, and everyone's Pat Connaughton is shooting 80% from three and Brooke Lopez is hitting his open threes. And listen – this was game, as great as it was, it was an anomaly. The Bucs are not going to shoot over 60% from the field again in game six. They're, they, look at their stats over the past, you know, every playoff series they've had. Not only is it tough for them to scrape two games in a row and, and shoot super efficiently, but it's never happened before where all three of their, I'll say stars, I'll give Drew Holiday a star. He earned his gold star in that last game, where all three of their stars – have, sh- have shot that well and played that well. So I'll tell you what, I was wrong about one thing. I was right about the other. I was wrong because I said it was going to go to ga- – I was going to said it was going to go to seven games. No team would lose at home. And I was okay. wrong. Bucks took the last one in Phoenix. But I was right in saying the Bucks are way more individually talented than the Suns. The Suns uh, are a better team. I don't, know Dude, if I, if you, I don't know if I agree with that. How can you – the top four players on the court in this finals are de- – I'm not in order – are Devin Booker, Giannis, Middleton, and Drew. Who would you put on the Suns besides Booker over Giannis, Middleton, or Drew, just talent-wise? Look, I agree that the Bucs are a more top-heavy team. I've never debated that. But in regards to individual play, I think that the Suns have more players that just are deeper. deeper. I agree. They're deeper, and they have better team chemistry. But if you're going pure star-level talent, the Bucs have three all-stars. The Suns have... Well, I, don't, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, no, he was close though. Aiton so was the Suns have one. I, I just. Oh, well, Holiday wasn't an All Star. Holiday had his first All Star this year. Twenty twenty. This year, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, let me. Uh, I might be thinking of Mike Conley. One side. You might be thinking of someone else. I don't think Holiday was an All Star. I think. I don't even know if Middleton made the team this year. While while you're looking that up, I'll say this. I think that the reason the Bucks are up three to two, and the Bucks have won three straight games, two in Milwaukee, one in Phoenix. I think that the Bucks have stayed true to who they are a little bit more than the Suns have. What I saw from the Suns in that first quarter yesterday, where they uh, or first quarter a few days ago, where they erupted for thirty something points, they were up I think fourteen or sixteen points at one point in the first quarter, and they shot the shit out of the ball. It was about ball movement. It was about getting guys like Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder involved. The ball was moving. Devin Booker wasn't trying to play hero ball. And then from quarters two to four, it was all the Devin Booker show. He's been amazing in this series, especially in game four and game five. I don't want to say the whole series because he had that dud in game three. But but back-to-back 40-point games and in losses, I don't think that that's an accident. I don't think that Devin Booker is Kevin Durant, meaning he cannot carry this Suns team on his back to victories. You're going to need Chris Paul to step up. He hasn't played up to his potential. After the first two games, he looked like the series MVP. In the last three games, he's looked like a mediocre version of prime George Hill. I mean, he has not played well, CP3. And and, and, and just the Suns haven't been playing the way that they got here. They haven't been true to themselves, and and it's I'm basketball. They're trying to play isolation, right? right. And, and they and, don't have the individual talent. And I, I, again, I don't think that's true because Mikael Bridges did not miss in Game Five, but yeah, he only shot five times. Cam Johnson, every time Cam Johnson touches the ball, that's not individual talent. In. That's a good game. That's a good. That's but a good game. Nick, My point is, being, 
the, if you tell me anybody on the Suns besides Booker who's better than the top three players in the Bucks, and I was wrong about the two All-Star things. Drew Holiday was an All-Star in 2013. <laughs> I more so meant just stars-wise. Okay. And I'll back this point up. If Drew Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis are shooting well, they will not lose. The problem is they can't all shoot well in the same game until game five. That's the first time it's ever happened where all three of them couldn't miss. Tell me, yes, the Suns have great talent, dude. But have you ever ever thought about or heard of these names before this playoff run? Mikel Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, they look great and they're hitting their open shots. But don't tell me when it comes down to isolation, individual talent ball, when Booker's off the court, you're going to give the ball to Mikael Bridges and him and Chris Middleton are going to go back and forth. That's okay. never going to happen. So let's let's backtrack. Do the Bucks have more isolation-heavy guys like a Middleton, like a Holiday, like a Giannis than the Suns? Yes. That's the definition of individual talent is someone who can just take over the game. Okay, fine. Then say isolation basketball. I'm getting frustrated because individual talent, the, the, the Suns have more talent on their roster than the Bucks do. I, I disagree. They're just they're a deeper team and they're better at team chemistry. But I agree to disagree. But again, and you bring up team chemistry. I don't think the the Suns have played the way that got them here. I said that I earlier. Agree. I agree. So so let's let's go. Let's start here. Drew Holiday has not played up to his potential until this last game five. He was incredible. And and how iconic? I mean, was that steal on Devin Booker and the alley oop to Giannis? Honestly, not a very smart basketball play. Because you're up one with about 17 seconds left, you should probably hold it for the last, uh, hold it and get fouled. Never, nevertheless, he hits the alley oop. It was a beautiful pass, beautiful play. Um, there's no way that was a foul on Devin Booker. By the way, I, I saw something on Twitter. Some people thought that that Booker, uh, Booker's arm was hit by Holiday. It was a clean strip. Holiday played an unbelievable game on defense. But I, um, I don't think Booker denies that either. In the post game, Booker yeah. even said when somebody asked him from that his perspective what happened, he literally said, "I turned around, he was there, I didn't see him, and, and that was that." He, he wasn't at all trying to claim he got swapped. Also, if you're double teamed and you stop dribbling, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because you're in a uh, a weak position at that point as the offensive player. Um, if the Bucks win this series, what's a more iconic play? The Giannis block on DeAndre Ayton. Or the holiday to Giannis Aliu. I gotta say the the steal Aliu because it was a two part. It was a two parter. It was the most important stop of the game and the score that pretty much sealed the game. So you got a two for one there. If he had just swiped, they slowed the ball down and needed a bucket. That's a that's a totally different story. But I think the conjunction of the swipe and the score is going to go down in history if they win Game Six. And I'll tell you this, Booker, no fault to him whatsoever. He played a hell of a game. Maybe, you know, in basketball theory, should he have gotten rid of the ball being double teamed with Drew Holiday closing in? Yes. But watching the game live, he was the only one on the Suns. You know, not going to mention Mikhail Bridges because he's probably not going to get the ball in his hands at that point. That was capable of hitting a shot in this clutch crunch period they wanted the ball in his hands no matter what he did with it. If he chucked up a shot with three guys in his face and missed it, people said people still would have said, good thing Booker had the ball in his hands. So I will not fault Booker, but in theory, should he have maybe drew a double, looked down, and see if he could addition to Aiden, dish it out for a perimeter three, maybe, but no fault to Booker there. I'm not sure why the Suns pretty much look broken in these last three games. Uh, CP3's play has a really significant part to, to do with that, so what can Chris Paul do differently in game six to put the Suns in a position to win? What, what does he have to do in order for them to be a little bit more competitive? Chris Paul? 
Yeah. I think, honestly, what's brought them to this point, which is shocking to most people, uh, it has been his ability to score because he's, he's a pass-first point guard. But he's put up big buckets uh, in the prior series to this one. And he's had a couple of good games in this series, obviously. But there were a couple of games in the last series where they were crushing. Uh, you know, you'd have Booker with 32, Paul with 27. Booker with 27, Paul with 31. So what I will say is I think there's now been too much pressure put on Chris Paul to score. And now he's really looking for an open shot. He's looking for difficult shots, too. And he hit some of them. He had a nice, like, eight-foot little uh, uh, jumper over Giannis in the last game. Obviously, couldn't keep it consistent. But I think right now, CB3 needs to go back to his roots of being the pass-first leader, veteran leadership role on this team. Okay? Find the Mikhail Bridges. Find the Jay Crowder. Those are the guys you need to get going early in this game because that's what the Bucks did. The Bucks got Pat Connaughton and Brooke Lopez hitting their threes. They got Drew Holiday. PJ, PJ Tucker has hit a few threes in this series. Absolutely. PJ Tucker has the ugliest shot I've ever seen in my life. So Chris Paul's job is not to score, although it's been so beneficial to them in this playoff run. He needs to get the young guys the ball, get their confidence up, get eight in the ball down low. That was something towards the end where it became just Chris Paul and Devin Booker going back and forth. Aiden's a beast. And Brooke Lopez cannot compete with DeAndre Aiden. Even Giannis has a tough time on Aiden if he doesn't get positioning. So I'll just say two things is leadership and passing from Chris Paul. It's something that I think he's tried way too much to be a star like he is at those State Farm commercials. DeAndre Aiden, he's been good in this series. I mean, you look at his numbers. I think he put up 20 and 10 in game five. But there's something about him. I don't want to use the word soft because that's unfair. He's not soft. He's going against one of the most physically dominating players in the league in Giannis. But I just – I don't think he has the best hands in the world. He he misses on a lot of rebound opportunities in regards to like it'll hit his hands, it'll go into another player's on, on the Bucks' hands, and occasionally he'll miss a pass from Chris Paul. But I just don't see that like – I don't know if it's an it factor. That's what he's missing. He, fundamentally, he's great. Great touch around the rim. He, he can score 20-plus a night if you need him to. Um, decent mid-range game. Decent enough where, where he can he can shoot that 7- that to 10-foot foot jump shot. But I just there's something that he has not given them in these past few games where whenever Giannis wants to do anything inside, he gets to his spot and it's going in. Or he passes it to a guy who hits a wide-open three. But regardless, I feel like the Suns have almost lost – that front court advantage that they had with DeAndre Ayton, I, I haven't seen it in these last few games. What I will say is, I mean, you can't compare Giannis to, to DeAndre Ayton. That's like comparing Shaq to Kendrick Perkins. Well, it's not a comparison as much as it is DeAndre Ayton is your last line of defense, and he has just not protected the paint well. I'm not I'm not comparing the two, but he's he hasn't been doing his job on defense. I get it. I get it. What I will say about Ayton is – he, to me, he's like a, a, a five on a top college basketball team. He's like a solid five on a college basketball team that doesn't get drafted because he does all the little things right. He finishes the alley-oops. He gets the clean rebounds. He plays solid defense. But like you said, he doesn't have really the it factor, the X factor. He's not going to get the ball in his hands, isolation against two people up and under and slam at home. He could back someone down. He has a nice little hook. He does a little sky hook, which is clean if he's within, you know, Four to six feet. It has a, a super high chance of going in. He shot an unbelievable field goal percentage. Even his elbow jumper is nice sometimes when he kind of comes out to that part of the court. But no, 
he's not the guy who's going to, he's not Shaq. He's not going to go even, he's not, you know, he's not even a, who's, you know, an, a, a solid five that you can get the ball to in crunch time who will back his way into either a foul or a bucket, right? Does that even exist at this point? That's why I keep saying he's like a college five. He's that guy on Duke who's seven feet tall. That's always where exactly where he needs to be, but he's not going to go above and beyond the really simple tasks you give him. I will say Aiden's impressed me up until this series. This series, he's kind of maybe it's nerves. Maybe they're going to just Booker and Paul more and not trusting him as much. But I agree, Aiden has got more quiet in this series specifically. It could just be a really bad matchup for him. It, it is. He can't. He can't hang with Giannis if he has to come out a little bit. Giannis blows by him every single play. His feet aren't quick enough to hang with Giannis. Uh, speaking of Antetokounmpo, he is the MVP of this series so far. I think we should all agree on that, that if the Bucs win the championship in six games or seven games, barring an absurd uh, performance from Chris Middleton in the final one or two games, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP, right? 100%. 100%. And you can't, even if it was closer than it is now with Middleton, if Middleton had a 50-point game in game six to close it out, I still think it's Giannis. And I want to give Middleton his credit because I love Chris this is a guy, man, he can shoot poorly, but it doesn't slow him down. He keeps shooting, and he is one of those guys. The, the shots that he hit in that fourth quarter in game five, and he's hit throughout the playoffs. I, I think he actually leads um, the postseason in clutch field goals made in like the final five or six minutes of each game. You can check me on that stat, but I, I saw that on the last broadcast. He hits shots that are unguardable. He hits Kevin Durant shots where it's like, dude in his face, doesn't matter. Middleton rises up. It's going in. So I, I got to give him credit. I know Giannis is probably going to win MVP if the Bucs are able to take this series. But I don't think Middleton's that far behind. I think he's been superb in this series. He's been great for the Bucs throughout. And, and credit to Milwaukee proving everybody wrong that this big three – wasn't strong enough to to win a, a championship. They're on the verge. They're on the cusp. They have guys like, like you said, Pat Connaughton, who we'll get into in a little bit, P.J. Tucker. Bobby Portis has had a very strong series for Milwaukee. Every time he gets on the court, it seems like he's making a hustle play. He's grabbing a big rebound, or he's hitting a three-pointer. He himself. And don't forget Thanasis, who comes in for like 20 seconds. Well, he's actually, in, he's actually in health and safety protocol right now. Thanasis? Yeah. Oh, but. He did not suit up for game five. But no, Bobby Portis is a guy who did not play. I like Bobby P. Bobby did P. Not, did not play against the Nets. And look at him. He's playing meaningful minutes against the Suns team, and, he, and he's really playing well. And he's got crazy eyes. Let me ask you this, Ben. Um, okay. Before we get into more, like, you know, breaking down players, breaking down. Uh, uh, well, we're going to get into a Pat Connaughton segment in a second that's going to make me take a shot of Soju, but go on. My question to you is this: If the uh, the Bucks, let's just say either situation, your Bucks win the series, Suns win the series, who is who's who? How do I phrase this? Who's more likely to never have this opportunity again? CP three or Giannis? Chris Paul? Are you kidding me? Chris Paul is he's thirty six years old. You can tell that he's on his last legs. The guy's hurt every single season. He plays through injuries. I'll say this: Chris Paul is a tough motherfucker. He, he really is. I mean, he, he he's out there. He's got a fucked up wrist. He's wincing in pain almost after every play. You can tell that he's just the, – the fatigue has kind of set in, in for him a little bit. But if Giannis doesn't win this year, if, if the Suns are able to come back and win the final two, Giannis is still a young, talented player. He's still a top five, top ten player in the league, however you want to characterize it. And he'll have another chance or two. 
But here's, here's no, what I'll say. Yeah. And I we don't know if Chris Paul will come back to the Suns, by the way, because if the Suns don't pay him or he wants to play somewhere else, he has the ability to do so. But that's just my point, though, right? Because theoretically, if the Suns win this series, okay, uh, uh, what happens to the Bucks? What happens to their players? I don't know. But the Nets come back in full force. We're a Nets podcast, so we're, we we all believe the Nets are going to be better than the Bucks, right? Correct. The Sixers come back healthier. The Hawks come back healthier. Trey Young doesn't go down the way he went down. They're now stronger than they were before. So we're looking at a harder road to get here. Okay, for both teams, because granted the Suns lucked out from Lakers injury, uh, Nuggets injury with Jamal Murray, and who was the last one they played, uh, Kawhi's injury. So both both roads you know, are going to be tough to get back here. But the argument I'll make for CP3 is he's old enough now in his career where he might sign a contract um, on, a, on a championship contender you know, like a Rondo would or like a great player would on his last leg just to see if he can get a ring, right? What what are the what's out of the realm of possibilities with CP3 going back to the Clippers, going back to the to going so to the Lakers. You, you bring up the Lakers, uh Brandon Scoopy Robinson, who's a recurring guest on Fireside Nets. He actually put out a report that if the Suns lose, there could be a banana boat reunion with LeBron James, Chris Paul and potentially Carmelo Anthony. There you go. So that's that's my point, right? So the Bucks the Bucks road to get here is only going to get more challenging, and CP3 could just bandwagon to a good team. So I don't want to assume. Listen, I'm I will feel awful for CP3 if they lose this game. I will feel very, I, you know, I'll be happy for Giannis, Middleton, and Drew. I will feel bad for CP3 because he fought his ass off to get here. But let's not think that the Bucks are just going to keep coming to this point. This is the first time they made it here, and they've had a great team. Do I think Drew Holiday over Bledsoe is the management move of the year? Absolutely. But they've had their opportunities. This might be too good to be true. If they lose this, I don't know. I could see the Bucks kind of going into turmoil and Giannis being that player that almost that always almost had a championship, was almost always elite top five and never and always fell short. So just a thought. It's amazing you're thinking that when he's one game away from winning the finals, but you never know what can happen. Let's move on. We have an interesting uh, segment up, and it's really just news that that you know Christian – Winfield, another recurring guest, a writer for New York Daily News, and one of the best Nets beat reporters out there. He wrote an article titled, and before I read you the title, I'm going to take a shot of soju. For those who don't know, soju is um, sort of like uh, a Korean vodka, essentially. It just doesn't have the afterbite. So here's my shot for everyone listening. Oh, oh, God. That's warm. I I kept that out. Okay, here's the title of Christian's article. Pat Connaughton's play for the Bucs should give Joe Harris something to think about. I hate to bring it back here, Nick, but has Pat's performance made you a little weary of having to depend on Joe Harris again next year? That's really sad that it's kind of true because Pat Connaughton's kind of a loser who didn't do much during the regular season because DiVincenzo was the guy and Bryn Forbes was the guy. But now DiVincenzo is injured. Bryn Forbes has been cold in the last few uh, uh, playoff series. And now Pat Connaughton is clutch as fuck. And nobody two months ago during the season would have even put Pat Connaughton in the same sentence as Joe Harris in terms of being a knockdown shooter because it would have been insulting to Joe Harris. So it does give Joe Harris something to think about. It's almost 
it almost pains me to, to for Christian Winfield to say that because of how much it resonates. Yeah. Matt Connaughton, yeah. it's not even like he, he's wide open a lot of the time. Pat Connaughton has been hitting like a little bit fading to the right. Well, the he's, the perimeter. he's hit first of all, he's hit most of his open shots. Let, let's be real. When, when Giannis is doubled or, or Middleton or someone needs to kick it out, Connaughton has been there to hit the shots. Yes, that, but, like, Harris, but Harris, there was no one near him. I know. Him, I know. That's what we're saying. And you can try to convince me that Harris has improved his overall game as much as you want. I don't think that any Nets fans want to see Joe Harris taking it to the rack against a Bucks defense in a playoff series. And what you've seen Connaughton do is Connaughton, yes, he's a spot-up shooter, but Connaughton has been excellent on the glass for Milwaukee. He's provided them a ton of second-chance opportunities, and, and he's really kind of met that championship-level intensity that you need to play at when you're a role player. Think about it. Game five was on the road. Connaughton came up. He had some pretty big buckets in that game. He played well. Um, I, I just get a little scared because – your job, if you're Joe Harris and Pat Connaughton, is to make shots. And if you're not making shots, I don't. You're useless to the team. And the Bucks have the luxury of not having to play Bryn Forbes because he's cold right now. For some reason, the Nets didn't have that same luxury. They had to play Joe Harris because of how banged up they were in that series. So I look. We're a Nets I mean, look, podcast. Landry, we're not going to. Andrew Shamit couldn't hit either. Right. We're not going to go all the way back. But it does kind of give you some concern. Because, yes, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, they're the most important players on the team. We all know that. But the other guys have to step up. I'm sorry. If Connaughton, Bobby Portis, and P.J. Tucker weren't giving you the minutes that they're giving you, Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton's performance would mean shit because they'd probably lose those games. The role players have to play their roles, as stupid as that sounds, in order for championship teams to to win i mean look how bobby portis stepped up when Giannis was hurt that one game and they won go go back the last few years though look at the the lakers winning the series when the lakers had to depend on guys like contavious caldwell pope javal mcgee the warriors back you know way back they had javal mcgee i keep thinking of javal mcgee because he's a solid role-playing center Derek but sure no you look like guys like Derek fisher barbosa uh bruce bowen you can go down the list in the last 20 years, but but these role players, they have to hit shots. So Pat Connaughton, all the credit to him. He has been great for Milwaukee in this series. But, yeah, J- Joe ha- has to be better. And, uh, unfortunately, this is it, it's almost like seeing this is what the Nets could have been. Because if you had the big three, even if you had the big one with KD and, and Harden on half a hamstring, if Joe Harris hits a few shots in that series, we might be talking about a Suns-Nets finals. And Christian mentions that in the article. It's a great article. You should give it a read. Um, Moving on, I I saw a lot of debate on Twitter, Nick, as to if this has been, you know, a fun finals to watch. I think for the most part it has. So in terms of excitement and entertainment, where would you rank this finals from 1 to 10? I think this finals is really up there. Listen, I think true basketball fans – appreciate this final more than more than people who just want to see LeBron James and Steph Curry scoring, right? This might be a, a final that's underwatched in terms of, of ratings because those superstars, superstar, super you might be wrong about that. that. Their ratings have been pretty good this year, I think. I think the predictions were that they were, they were going to tank um, because the celebrities like LeBron, Steph Durant aren't in there. But from a basketball perspective, this is great because neither of these teams have been here before. 
this is an opportunity for so many great players to get a championship when nobody thought they'd ever have this opportunity. Nobody thought the Suns would go from the worst record in the league within three or four years to being the, the Western Conference final champion. So it, to me, this is a true basketball matchup of underdogs. And because there's no uh, super celebrity type players in here, I don't think there's a lot of hate towards these two teams. So I don't think there's players watching just because they want LeBron to lose. There's not players watching just because they want Draymond Green to lose. Players, uh, basketball fans are kind of going to be happy with either or here. And, you know, I might be leaning towards the Suns. Someone might be leaning towards the Bucks. But either way, I'd be happy watching players who have never been in this position win a championship when nobody thought they'd even be in it. At the beginning of the season, Nets-Lakers, Nets-Lakers, Nets-Lakers. Would Nets-Lakers have been more of a, a – you know, a pay-per-view type event where everyone would have tuned in no matter where they are. Yes, I believe that. But as a basketball fan who just loves the idea that people scrapped to get to this position and they're going to be so fucking ecstatic if they win, Chris Paul, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, um, you know, Devin Booker's favorite player is Kobe and a lot of people have been making Kobe comparisons. He said, he said, don't ever compare me to Kobe. That's what he said. But it's really hard not to in his consistent mid-range shooting game. He Sometimes he looks like Kobe on the fade. Sometimes he looks like Kobe falling down, his determination. So there's just so much uh, a uniqueness and you know things that make these players and these teams special in this moment that I think it's just a beautiful final to watch that nobody expected. So, so for me out of 10, I'll give it an 8. Okay, 8 out of 10. I'll give it a 7. I think it's been good. Um yeah, I mean, the Suns took the first two games, and they were pretty close. The Bucks took the next three. I think two out of those three were close. We'll see how six and seven wind up. Uh, I will say that you were wrong, saying that LeBron James wasn't in the finals this year. He was actually at game five, cheering on his buddy CP. Yeah, I saw he snuck in a bottle of tequila. That was pretty cool. Um, the NBA crossed the 10 million viewer threshold for the first time in two years in game four. Uh it's been pretty good. They had one of the league's most watched games since 2019. Uh, the suns Bucks series accounts for three, uh, three of the largest NBA audiences in the past two years. Um, and that was four days ago. So that's not even including uh, the game five, but wow. never, I, I think it's been doing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of sports on right now. Um, football true. is pretty quiet. Hockey ends up pretty quickly. Yeah. So, you know, this is a Nets podcast, uh, and we have a player who may or may not be a Net next year, Spencer Dinwiddie, but he is a superstar on Twitter, and he actually tweeted something interesting. So there's a movie called uh, – I'm sorry, a TV show on Disney Plus. It's called What If, and it's a Marvel um, It's a Marvel entity, and basically it, it's kind of – the concept is, you know, what if Tony Stark never got the Iron Man suit and it went to somebody else? It's all these different hypotheticals that Marvel's going to put out. So Spencer Dinwiddie tweeted, just, just thought of an interesting what if. Maybe at Marvel inspired me. And he actually added Marvel. Giannis is out for game six due to health and safety protocols because his brother, Thianis, was out in game five. Close contact with Thanis. Thanias. Bucks still Thanasis. win. Thanasis. Bucks still win. Does K-Mid get finals MVP? And a lot of people got mad at Dinwiddie because they're like, why are you hypothetically putting Giannis on the health and safety protocols list. Like that's a stupid hypothetical. Okay, at least it was the COVID list, not like a torn ACL list. I know. But then also a lot of people were like clowning him because he added Marvel. Like you think Marvel's going to take your concept and turn it into a TV show or a movie. It was just kind of funny. He then tweeted, let's not take this too serious. It was a at Marvel inspired. What if with like the kind of, uh, 
I don't know how to describe this emoji when the mouth is just a, a, a horizontal line, like. Oh, I, it's kind of like, like, come on. Like it's like, yeah, a, it's no emotion. It's like neutral. Right. Giannis deserves finals MVP if Bucks finishes thing. So I love Dinwiddie. The, the guy tweets, he sparks conversation. Sometimes it's controversial. I don't think that this was controversial. I think that anybody that had a problem with hypothetical, what if needs to, uh, needs to just chill out because this is not worth getting upset about. You're right. He didn't, he didn't hypothetically tear Giannis's ACL. He just said, what if he's on the health and safety protocols list because his brother was on it. Um, but yeah, he's probably right. If Giannis is out game six and seven and the Bucks win, or if, if the Bucks win game six and Giannis is out, I think Middleton would probably, probably be the MVP, right? I would assume so. Uh, if Giannis is out, I don't know. I mean, Unless if Middleton takes over, maybe if it's a pretty even game, I still think Giannis wins it. Think about the symbolism, uh, the symbolism, the symbolism, the symbolism of the award, right? He got them there. He's the guy. He stepped up his free throw shooting game when it mattered. Sometimes he stepped up his passing game, his efficiency rating. Everyone kind of thought he would crumble at this point and he got them to where they are now. So I would need such an incredible game out of Middleton without Giannis even on the court to consider him for the MVP. It's Giannis's team. It's Giannis is the guy. He's the guy who got the block. He's the guy who had the dunk alley oop and won. To me, like I said before, if, if maybe if Middleton gets 50 points and and it's not even a doubt that he's he gets a big a game buzzer winner to win Game Six in the NBA championship, I still don't think it's possible. And it's the same reason that Durant won with those Warriors teams, because when there's one guy on your team that you know without you wouldn't be where you are winning those games, eh, it's a weird example because the Warriors are pretty good without Durant. But yeah, they were. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's a chance that Giannis does. Like like a Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors when they won. If he's not on that team, you know, like, like you're not going to give it to Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry. You know what I mean? Exactly. All right, Nick. Has this ever happened to you? You're with a, a person that you want to be intimate with, but you're extremely self-conscious because it's been a while since you've shaved down there. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe once or twice. All right, Nick. Well, I have the answer to all your problems in regards to uh, to your downstairs hairy area, and that is Manscaped. Manscaped sells a ton of different products, including the lawnmower that makes for a smooth, clean trim on your private area. And you can also buy products to shave your face, arms, legs, back, wherever hair resides, Manscaped has your back. You can get 20% off Manscaped products, all of them, if you use the promo code FIRESIDE20. That's in all caps, fireside 2 Use that promo code. We already had someone use the promo code, got their 20% off, bought some Manscaped products from Fireside. We appreciate the purchase. Keep them coming. Uh, If you're going to buy Manscaped products, you might as well get a little bit money off on behalf of us. Manscaped. Scape a man. All right, Nick. uh, Got some few net segments to end the show. Uh, I want to start by talking about an article written by Tom Dowd. So Tom Dowd is the guy, he writes all the articles that are on the Brooklyn Nets website. So he was talking about an interesting prospect. Have you ever heard of a guy named Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova? I have not. 
because you don't really watch college basketball. Neither do I. That's that's not a it's not an insult. I don't watch a ton of college basketball. I feel insulted. But I did watch this kid play. So this kid, he he's six nine. He's a power forward. He has a great touch around the rim. He has an excellent mid range game. Um, and if the Nets are able to target him in the second round, I, I would love it. I, I, he can shoot the three if he needs to. He's got a little bit of handle. If, if you look up this guy's tape, J- Jeremiah Robinson Earl, J-R-E, he's a player. And I, I think he, he's gonna, his game translates very well to the NBA. Um, having said that, if you get him, because he, he plays power forward, a position that you don't necessarily need because you play KD, Jeff, and if you bring back Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, you, you have a lot of the you know guys in the front court. I still want them to kind of round out the roster with some three and D guys, a center to replace Deandre Jordan, possibly. Um, and then also some, some guards to help out uh, in case we, we, you know, Dinwiddie leaves and then something happens to one of our big three, but no, Jeremiah Earl Robinson, six, nine power forward. Robinson Earl. Earl, I'm sorry. J R E very, very talented player. We want to see him in a brook. Why not? I don't want him. We don't need him. What do we, how many players are we going to start like grooming? We want to win a championship now. Why do we need Reggie Perry, Nick we Claxton, MJRE, and trying to develop the? I don't want to develop any more players. Pick he up he doesn't need forward. to be developed. He's a Pick guy up. that can help out now. Really? Yes. You're, you're, so he's going to drop to the second round, but he's a guy who's already better than Claxton and Reggie Perry. He's much better than Reggie Perry. He's okay. different. He's different than Claxton. I'm better than Reggie Perry. My point being, there, there's gaps we need to fill for sure in, in a lot of different positions, but the first one being is we need more shooters, we need more guards off the bench, especially if we lose Dinwiddie. So that sounds cool and all, but if he doesn't pan out to be uh, you know, a, a, a Thaddeus Young, I don't want him. I think he's better than a Thaddeus Young. But Thaddeus Young had some great years. You're not, telling look, me his rookie year he's going to be better than Thaddeus Young? That is the most irrationally optimistic thought of all time. I don't believe in a lot of things, but I do believe in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I'll say that. All right, Nick, you brought up some guards. Uh, we have four guards that you know we have to make some decisions about. Bruce Brown is an unrestricted free agent. We obviously want to bring him back. I think he might be a restricted free agent. Regardless, you want to bring him back. Dinwiddie, free agent, probably going to lose him. Going to be a miracle to, to bring him back. And then Tyler Johnson's another guy. Mike James is, is the. You want me to guy. do a humper dump? I mean, Tyler Johnson and Mike James. Do you want to humper dump them or what? I dump everyone except Bruce Brown. Okay, that's fine. So uh, this next segment, it's called Worthy or Not Worthy. Here is a list of free agent guards that will be on the cheap if the Nets are interested. And James I, Worthy. I actually pulled this from uh, a Nets Instagram fan account. I'm not, I don't even remember the, the Instagram I pulled it from, so I'm sorry. You're not going to receive credit. You just posted a picture sure. with a bunch of names. So we're going to start. A guy who's been on the Nets radar a lot, and there were – Ties to him midseason is Avery Bradley. Worthy or not worthy? Uh, I hate Avery Bradley because he was on the Celtics. He's just a loser. Uh, he fell off hard, too. He used to be a 3 and D guy in the perfect definition of both because he's, not, he's a uh, uh, top defender and he could hit the open shot. He was not hitting the open shot after he left the Celtics. Where did he go? The Heat, I believe. Um, and then he moved again, right? Whereas, so um, He's been on it. Yeah, he was on the Heat. Was he on the Pistons at one point? I think he was on the Pistons at one point. I don't know who his latest employer was. I think it was the Heat. I think he was on the Heat. You know who I'd rather have than Avery Bradley? Iman no. Shumpert. Okay. I mean, he, he's a guy who's out there. I, I don't know where he is right now. Um, so you is he worthy or not worthy? Not worthy to me. Okay. Frank Nilakina. 
Please say not worthy. Don't even more worthy than Avery Bradley because he's young and and still growing, and he did have an improvement in his in his you know rookie year was horrendous. Uh, So I will say still not worthy, but a step up from Avery Bradley. Okay, so the first two are not worthy for Nick. How about Ish Smith? Worthy. I like Ish Smith. He he's come off the bench in some good games. And like who who is he on last? I'm trying to remember who I was. Was he on the Pistons at some point? At one point, he was on the Wizards. They're this wizards year. where I was yeah. watching. Dude, he stepped up in crunch time. He was hitting some big shots. He's a reliable guy. To me, he's almost a better at this point in their career, Jeff Teague comparison. So yeah. I will take Ish Smith, worthy to me, veteran experience. Jeff Teague is about to win a ring with the Milwaukee Bucks, by the way. How fucking oh, insane is that? Um, Patty Mills. Yes, worthy. I love Patty Mills. Dude, come on. Hey, Patty Mills, mate. That's a terrible impression. Patty Mills is has championship experience. He's confident shooter. He has some swag to him, dude. I would get. I would buy a Patty Mills. Not only is he worthy. Now that's my biggest goal in the offseason is picking up Patty Mills. Listen, I know all the women in San Antonio were batty for Patty, and I know in Brooklyn, I'm going to be so pumped for Mills. <laughs> exactly. Um, former net, he'd actually come back. Is uh, if he's worthy in your eyes, is Garrett Temple. Ooh, I do like – I did love Garrett Temple. Uh, worthy for sure. Worthy for sure. He's to me um, is – is you know, I'm not going to say a P.J. Tucker type. He's a much better shooter than P.J. Tucker. He's an okay defender. He's, he's a good guy to have on the court and a guy to have on your team. He's much more likable than P.J. Tucker. But Garrett Temple, there were games where he just started draining threes and that was never really in his wheelhouse before. So – I like Garrett Temple. When he was on the court, we were we were happy to have him there. So I'll take that for sure. And finally, and I think that in a lot of ways, we would almost rather this guy than Joe Harris. J.J. Redick. Oh, oh my God. Not only is he worthy, he's a god. J.J. Redick single-handedly made the best turnaround in, in players, in, in a fan's affection I've ever seen in my life. He was, when he was on Duke, I know you love Duke, if you don't like Duke, which is most people, he was the most hated college basketball player, arguably in history. You know, it's like him, Leitner, and you probably got like some of the Fab Five if you weren't a Michigan guy. Um, he is now beloved. He came to the NBA uh, a whiny, bratty, knockdown shooter, and now he is a gritty, hard-performing defender. He's a good teammate. He's a good passer. J.J. Redick fully in. I endorse it. I love his podcast. He's handsome. Beautiful family, beautiful man. All right, there you go. So the last four guards on that list were worthy. The only ones that were unworthy were Frank Nilakina and Avery Bradley. Nick, excellent show tonight. We're going to close it out with a story. I have a friend in Vegas. I- I've mentioned him before. Let's just call him Boz for the time being. That's his name. That's completely that's, his name. That's his name. Uh, he was texting me the other day. Guess who he was sitting next to at one of his hotels? Former Nets great. Lucius Harris. Brian Scalabrini. The White Mamba. Yeah, more of a Celtics guy, but okay. No, he was a Net before he was a Celtic. He was, I wouldn't say phenomenal. He was like the eighth or ninth guy on those. He's got a ring. No, he, oh, he does he? Oh, with the Celtics. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant with the Nets. I was like, no way. Um, but I love Scal. When he was in Jersey, he would come in. He'd hit the occasional three. Um, he's made a really good career for himself after his his uh, 
his playing days. He, he calls Celtics games. He's a beloved figure in Boston. Shout out to Brian Scalabrini, a.k.a. the White Mamba. You'll love to see that he's doing well and hanging out in Las Vegas. I do want to point out that in Brian Scalabrini's career, he shot 39% and averaged three points. Congrats. Yeah, but he also challenged everybody in the Boston area to one-on-one, and he continued to school them on that one day where a bunch of people who thought they were good at basketball, who thought maybe they can beat an NBA player, showed up, and they all lost. I give Brian Scalabrini so much credit putting his reputation on the line and beating a bunch of chumps in Boston. I got a room with Brian Scalabrini. All right, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy the remaining game or games in the NBA Finals. Please check us out on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Any final words for the listeners, Nick? Uh, Keep dreaming big. That's it? Yeah. And where can they catch us? Uh, You want my address? They can catch us... On the fire side.